Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going? It's going well, my friend. Lockdown is lifting in the United ah. Kingdom. The shops are open. Um, the pubs are open. I'm not going, but they're open. Um, so I was wondering that. I actually normal. heard that. I heard the pubs would reopen. I was like, I wonder if Matt went and had a, uh, had a beer, but no, you didn't. No, no I, I, uh, there was a lot of people out online yesterday, here's me getting political, who were getting a bit upset that there were lines around the shop, uh, around the blocks for... Oof. You know, these big big clothing store chains it's one one over here which is a a discount chain you know you get decent quality stuff but it's cheaper and there were people sort of saying oh look at these peasants queuing up for their cheap clothes and i thought come on if we haven't been out for a year let people enjoy something they were all socially distanced they're all wearing masks fine the ones in the pubs weren't mind and that's exactly why i'm not going to the pub because <laughs> everyone's just mingling again so but it's nice to know that if i want to pop to the to the mall as you guys call it that's great news that I can do. So that's that's a little bit of the spirits lifted. That aside, though, uh, I'm okay, my friend. How about yourself? You know, I'm doing all right. Um, some anxiety and tension, of course, still here uh, in the mm-hmm. states. It, it's it's a tough time, um, but you know, it, it's doing what we can do and um, just trying to uh, to you know navigate the situations and um, still hoping that. You know, because even the COVID crisis is uh, still not not done. Yeah, every time it seems like people think it's done, and then it's there's some new you know outbreak or uh, there are concerns of uh, other strands popping up, and so it's it's just this constant like you know new cycle of of oh no, it's not over. Don't you start to think it's over, kind of thing. And that is, uh, and even like it's little things too that are um, that are stupid. But nonetheless, just point to the fact that it's not over. Like, I don't know if you, uh, well, I guess some of this we might talk about later in the headline section, although I think we're, we're focused on a different headline thing this week. But um, the Arclights uh, have announced that they're not going to reopen, which is a huge movie chain. I've never been to an Arclight because there's not one in Florida. Yep. But uh, there's a, like, a lot of theaters that are apparently, as of right now, not planning on reopening ever. And that's, you know, sad. the... The, it's very sad, especially for movie lovers and people like us who uh, devote a lot of time to, to the, the art. Um, and then with that Paramount announcing uh, pushing back Top Gun um, and both the Mission Impossible 7 and 8 uh, by quite a bit of time. And then I think they moved something up. I haven't heard of I hadn't heard those. I know Mortal Kombat's been moved up and uh, I think it was was it Mortal Kombat. Uh, G.I. Joe's been moved up as That's well. That's what it was. That's the Paramount. Yeah. They moved that up. They swapped it and Top Gun, I think. I think. Uh, Damn. I guess they're not as... Top Gun was supposed to come out in July, and they pushed it back to November, is what I heard yesterday. <laughs> um, Man, okay. November's looking stacked. Well, and that's that's a problem in and of itself. But the fact that you're moving a patriotic movie from 4th of July speaks volumes about what you think the movie theater system is going to look like in July, right? Like, exactly. Cause Top Gun is meant to come out around 4th of July. Like that's the movie that people would rush the theaters to go see. Yep. And if, if they're thinking that it's not going to be safe enough that they're pushing it back uh, again, that's, that speaks volumes. I, I think you can read into that. Um, the, the concern about the pandemic, the concern about the vaccine situation. I mean, it's, it's just, 
one thing after another, and they're all connected. And I, it might seem petty to bring up like movies and movie theaters, but they are connected to the bigger picture right now because they're responding yeah. to the health crisis. No, you're right, man. It looks like HBO and Warner and AT&T looks like they had the right idea all along, which yeah. is kind of what I said last year. And a few people disagreed, but by having films at the theatre, but also on streaming, they're allowing, and my big thing was, a lot of people, me included, don't want to risk going out in a pandemic if I don't have to, to watch a film. But if, but the, but they, they were willing to put it on their streaming service so I could watch said film uh, then I get, and, and have the choice. If I really want to, I'll go to the theatre, give me that choice, or I can watch it at home. Great, I can watch Godzilla vs. Kong at home and all these other ones without having to need to go out. Therefore, and GVK is about to turn a profit anyway. So um, that didn't work, turn out so bad after all. So f- film on, sc- on streaming in theatres going to turn a profit. That, that's a good sign. That's, a, that's one good thing to come out of this as well. Not that Godzilla versus Kong is doing well, but a film can, with a big budget, turn a profit in these crazy times. But I hear, I hear you, man. It's a, it, it, as usual, it's a strange, horrible old world out there. Which is why, thankfully, we have movies to turn to. Indeed. And uh, this week, the movie that we're turning to is a Netflix um, original, which we've had to turn to many times over the last year because of the pandemic. Um, this one is Concrete Cowboy. Um, from It's technically from 2020 because it debuted at a film festival. I think, uh, I feel like TIFF, but maybe not. Um, it was sometime back in like October, I think that it debuted, but it officially dropped on Netflix on April 2nd and it is directed by Ricky Staub, uh, his debut, um, yep. feature debut written by him and Dan Walzer, uh, starring Idris Elba, Lorraine Toussaint and Caleb McLaughlin. Um, and a bunch of people that I, we will talk about momentarily. Uh, the synopsis, uh, sent to live with his estranged father for the summer, a rebellious teen finds kinship in a tight knit Philadelphia community of, Black Cowboys, uh, 77% Rotten Tomato, 67 Metascore, and a 6.2 IMDb user score. Um, in case you've never listened to Bloody Awesome before, we do this spoiler-free, so no worries. However, if you would like to pause this and go watch the movie, it is on Netflix right now. Um, I uh, I didn't know much about this. It, it got um, a lot of buzz. It was like uh, Netflix has it as their top 10. I think it was number one last week. So I, I was hearing about it, but I, I had not heard about it prior. I had no uh, information going into this movie. And in fact, I knew Caleb McLaughlin's name sounded familiar, but I didn't place who he was until I was like 20 minutes into this movie. Um, and Matt, I don't remember. Are, have you watched Stranger Things? I've watched the first episode and I'm starting this week as in actually literally going to start watching all of them from this week. So... I, I I thought that was the case. I was pretty sure you had not uh, watched yeah. it, and I knew his name from Stranger Things, which is odd considering I haven't I, seen it. I didn't place it right away, um, and in fact, not only uh, I didn't even realize this until I was about halfway through. But I think after season one, we went to uh, we get a convention in Orlando called MegaCon. It's it's one of the like largest conventions, comic book conventions in the country. It's like three or four behind uh, San Diego Comic Con, like the big one. And uh, we went a couple years ago and my daughter and her friend got to meet the actor that plays Dustin and Caleb McLaughlin, who plays uh, Lucas nice. on Stranger Things. They So like I've been 20 feet away from them kind of thing. And it didn't register until a bit because he's grown up quite a bit since Stranger Things. Um, and uh, I like his character in Stranger Things, but he is 
he's kind of pushed to the like tertiary character at, at times um, mm-hmm. because uh, Eleven really stands out um, as like she kind of comes to the forefront. Um, so, and I, I'm, Idris Elba is great. He has made some very questionable choices with some of the movies that he's done. Uh, but I like him even in the bad movies that I've seen him in. I've tended to like him. Like I really, really liked him in uh dark tower. Didn't like the dark tower, Jesus. but I liked him. I was like, he yeah, if this is a better movie. Me. He just, yeah, he has a presence, right? Like he's just there. Um, it's hard to, to resist him. And, um, so I, I knew nothing about this. Uh, the the poster is intriguing, but it's like how is it, is it? What kind of weird gimmick is this? Um, I was really into this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it falls off hard at the third act. I, I think it kind of loses itself there. Um, but I think the first two acts and the character content is really strong. And um, I was really excited when I realized that a majority of the cast, I was looking at their letterbox and their IMDb and they don't have any other credits because most of them are real people from Philadelphia who actually are concrete cowboys. And I didn't know this was a thing. And uh, this movie falls into what is essentially becoming a new movement in film, the American neorealism um, with uh, Sean Baker and Chloe Zhao really leading the pack but mm-hmm. Ricky Staub coming out with a very similar style. He has a few more big names attached than like you've seen Nomadland. You get Francis McDormand. But if you look at the writer and the songs of my, uh, my brothers taught me uh, from Chloe Zhao, there's almost no actors. I, I think there are zero uh, professional actors. Baker's um, Florida project. You have Defoe. Everybody else is either a first time actor or real people. Uh, and then, um, uh, Tangerine. There's no actors to mind. I don't think. I think everybody's non-actors, or at least I don't think anyone is an actor. Not. So you have this kind of movement towards these neo-realist uh, things happening, and I, that was one of the things that really grabbed me with Concrete Cowboy too. But I was also extremely impressed with McLaughlin. Um, it's he starts off very. It feels like a performance at first, but I think through the 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 film, I was really into what he was doing, and I thought he brought some general emotion um, and was able to build a lot of empathy for me. Um, And Idris gets to do a really great monologue that worked so hard on me. Uh, I am a sucker for a good monologue and there's this, I won't, it's involving a musician and I I just loved that monologue so much, but um, I, again, I think, I, I did, the the end didn't ruin the movie for me, but it definitely was like, oh, they were so close, but you you didn't quite stick it. And um, part of it is, I think it's not really a plot driven film, and the the end tries to make it feel like it's a plot driven film, like there was actually like this story, and it's like, ah, there wasn't though. It's more about these people, like and and the world they're living in. I think that's one of the things that really works um, with a lot of the those other films that I reference is there is a plot, but the plot is just part of their life. You're just kind of seeing what they're going through. And I don't feel like this, this ends in a way that's completely there. Oh, I did forget. Um, there is one more, the actor who, uh, plays teenage version of Kevin in moonlight is in this. Oh, Jerome, Jerome. Yes. And he, I really liked in moonlight and he has a, a really great presence. Um, he's super charming. 
Uh, I, I think he, he gets to play a very similar character here that he did in Moonlight in that there's just this inherent charm about him and that even though he's making some questionable decisions, it's hard to not like him because he is he just has this presence that comes through the screen. Um, but yeah, I, I overall enjoyed this movie. I definitely, um, I think... I watched a few things this weekend and at multiple times I wasn't really in a headspace to want to watch a movie. And this one grabbed me and, and pulled me in where I was like, I was really at times even had like my, I was making like hand reactions to stuff because I was so invested in in what was happening to these characters. I cared about them. And, uh, and then I found things to be extremely fascinating. Um, and shout out to method man. I like method man a lot. Um, he doesn't get a lot of performances, uh, I liked him in this, um, but I am—I just generally like Method Man, um, so I, I was excited to see him in this. Uh, didn't necessarily love all of the choices that the film does with him, um, especially I think towards the end it comes—it it felt a little cheesy at, at parts. Um, but overall, I thought it was really good. What did what did you think, Matt? Yes, yeah, so pretty pretty much the same, dude. I when the film started out in the first twenty twenty to twenty five minutes, the film's about an hour and fifty long. First twenty or twenty five minutes, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't really taken. Like you say, it felt a bit showy, and I'd heard that this was a a slice of like your neo realisms. We had Nomadland recently, looking at the the houseless people in the Midwest, uh, and now we've got a story about the Philly uh, concrete cowboys. A story I had no idea about, and no idea. So this, so what I like about a film is it can actually open my eyes to something, which is what this film has done. But the point you made was the point I had as well was that a lot of the time what the director uh, Ricky Stabs able to do is and also the the uh, cinematographer as well who is uh, Minka Farthing Cole they make this feel they make it feel real like the like Chloe Zhao like Sean Baker it feels real it's a documentary like feel at times to this the way it's shot um, but then that's kind of augmented by certainly in the third act uh, a more a more of a narrative which feels tacked on mm-hmm. and it makes it feel it, it takes something away from it whereas those other films they don't really have that they do just feel like that slice of life which is what they were going for in the first place where uh but i i enjoyed this film it was all about horses so i knew john would like it john loves a horse um that was my first note is horses this says horses must make sure I mention that for John, but I thought that uh, Caleb McLaughlin was really very good in this, and is I think this is his feature film debut as well, if I'm not mistaken. Idris Elba is always good. I did think his accent was a bit dodgy at times. It kind of went in and out, especially when he started singing. I was like, "There's English, Idris, right there." Um, uh, there, there are the scenes of him and Caleb. Um, um, Idris Elba's character is called Harp, and Caleb was called Cole. Well. Uh, shortened Cole the scenes together with them carried the most weight there was that great monologue like you mentioned about about halfway through but even either side of that when they're together there was a chemistry there was a there was fireworks you know there was something there emotion that that, that carried the most weight that was the most impressive part of the film the uh, Jarell Jerome I agree I thought he was great again I really liked him in Moonlight and I thought he was strong here and I liked that they went with the uh, with the real uh, concrete cowboys, Philadelphia concrete cowboys, having a chance to tell their story as well, and they 
to be fair, if you didn't, if you weren't aware that they'd just been assimilated in, you'd think that they were actors. I didn't think I didn't yeah. see any of them as as you know me or you in a film like this. It would be obvious, but obviously they are they're acting out their real life, so they're going to feel genuine to a point. But obviously, when you're interacting, you've got to have some kind of yeah, you, you, you you can tell when someone's not in it. But they they felt yeah. they felt good, dude. And I like the film. I thought it looked good. I thought the dialogue was decent. The third act did fall away a little bit. This film, as much as it aims for neo-realism, the overarching story is nothing you haven't seen before. That yeah. synop- you've, we've heard that synopsis. Guess what? You've you've seen that many times. But the difference is the situation. The it, it's taking um, this way of life and sticking it straight into the most urban of settings. It makes it feel different already. I thought I had like you. I had no idea what this was about. It, just by looking at the, the the poster, I thought the poster is the, to me the poster gives off a slightly different vibe. It, the poster, I wouldn't say it looks like a comedy, but the way they framed Idris Elba up top and the way he's looking, it doesn't that that isn't a vibe it, of the film. It feels more like a the poster feels more like a, like a family like like kids movie something oh. like that yeah and to be honest i know i know they've got to have idris at the top because he's a selling point but this is caleb mclaughlin's film through and through for me um he's in a lion's share of the film and um when he's with Ed, Idris, he's very good but i guess i guess what well, i've got to put him up top but no i i, I did enjoy this film I, more than i thought i did more so sort of the the, the second heart the second third of the film the first opening third was all right the, the final third was it started to go a bit ropey, mm-hmm. but the middle part when it was just concentrating on this community was great. I thought, man. Yeah, I I thought there's um one of the guys named Paris. I won't get into like his story. Yeah. Uh, the actor's name is Jam, uh, Jamil Mill Prattis. Um, I loved him. I thought he was great, and I also thought his story was really really compelling. Um, I wish th- I kind of wish the. Uh, filmmaker would have leaned a little more into the the two genres that he crossed over, whether intentionally or just because it was that. Um, it, it's an urban drama, like you could you could pull like uh, um, Boys in the Hood or uh, yep. um, oh my gosh, Menace to Society, and also a western, right? You you have both of those elements in this in the story, and the thing is, it's real, it's authentic, right? Like that's it's not a fictional. Hey, what if we cross these two genres? It's like no, no, no. this community is those two things. It is an urban setting that has elements of the old west, and they that conversation about cowboys is so compelling to me. Um, and, and in a way of looking at, it, I had never thought of it before because westerns have always been depicted to us through movies and movies, especially when they were making Westerns on the regular were predominantly white male led. And they offer this alternate history that I'd never considered. And I thought it was really compelling. And that's what this movie, it does play with the tropes of the two genres, but he doesn't lean into it enough. I think he could have leaned into one a lot harder than the other to where one of them becomes uh, a subplot, which doesn't, it it does go somewhere eventually, but it doesn't feel, it feels like the focus was, always wanting to be more on the community side of things. Whereas the urban side to me, it felt like this is a film that probably could have used an extra 10 minutes. And as me saying, Mm. and that just, just to flesh out those bits to then give more credibility maybe to other areas. But, um, because I think certain parts felt a bit rushed. The two, there's two major 
story arcs. And I don't know that it needed both of them. Like one, they, or at least they should have crossed over more. Cause I don't feel like the two, like there's this, the story with, uh, the friend who's, I'm just being horrible with names right now. Uh, smush. The story with smush feels like it should be a secondary plot point that ties into the first plot point of the, the community. Cause the community has its own conflict and that often feels like it's just being tacked on. Like, like we'll just come back to it and all of a sudden like, Oh yeah, by the way, the community is in jeopardy. And it's like, yeah, but why though? There's no, there, it never really tackles the why. Like you get, you get why it's, it, it makes sense. Why it's not a, a question of whether it, it makes sense. It's just it, as a, plot it feels like we just keep coming back to it and we never get there naturally i think it's uh, at one point and then every now and then it's almost as if they thought oh, crap we haven't mentioned it drop drop some lines in about it we'll come back and then they come back to it 15 20 minutes later and like you say it doesn't feel like it was at the forefront well, of the writer's minds and and so a writing tip that matt this has been circulating the internet recently but matt's uh matt stone and trey parker the guys who make south park Yep. We're talking about this idea of uh, if you can say this happens and then this and then that instead of this happens and therefore this happens. In other words, if the scenes don't feel like they are leading into each other, that this is a cause and effect relationship. And instead, it just feels like this was an event. This was an event. You can rearrange them and it will still feel like an event. You're, you're writing wrong. It, the movie should progress and that's what this doesn't feel like because there's no reason that suddenly the community's in jeopardy it just is yeah yeah exactly and it should be tied to the smush story if if what is happening with smush was connected to what was happening with the community it would make that therefore statement and it would feel much more organic in its storytelling and probably wouldn't feel tacked on at the end because that's what happens the end it gets there is like yeah but why like, yes, I care because I care about the characters, but I don't understand why we're in this position. And more so, that's where the use of Method Man makes even less sense to me because I'm just like, wait a minute, hold up. Yeah, why they all used of a sudden... really strange, didn't they? It was just like blocks of story. Here's one block. And like, it's like, it is like you've just said on and Matt and Trey. Here's a block. There's a block. There's a block. And I, in this block, let's put that one there, put that one there. It, it, there is no, for, for a few of them, there, there aren't really there isn't really that through line which was there to be taken. Like you say, the whole urban situation, which I don't think was particularly well fleshed out, no. was there for the taking. And now you saying that and also using the, the screenwriting example, you know, it, 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 this could have been uh, fleshed out or given mm-hmm. greater greater depth. And again, I'm not saying they did a bad job of this, no. but there there were there are other avenues they could have taken which would have actually made this a much weightier film it would have made this like a a must-see film versus a a decent watch and that's it i still got like i said i still felt things during the film mainly during that second third when it was much more focused on the community or at least the characters more i did i felt you know i felt things during it so it it wasn't a bust by any means i had a good time with this yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's definitely a movie you should check out, especially if you're already subscribed to Netflix. It's just there's a lot of potential here, um, and it is the guy's first film, so give some credit. Um, hopefully, he'll get an opportunity to improve and make the next film. And that's the the point of the criticism isn't to discourage him from going. It's like, hey, here are areas that we saw some weakness. And again, we're not the expert per se, but I think if you look around, you're going to hear a lot of similar things coming out. That there's a lot of good in this movie. 
he he wrote some very strong characters, or yeah. at least he got some very great performances. Direct it from, to him. And um, now, can we can we take this moderate outing and and up the game? Can you can you elevate to a, a, a the next level? Because I think that's if you were to like compare this to the writer or the or Florida Project or Tangerine, you're going to see that yes, it's in the same vein of style, but the execution is not nearly as strong. And uh, but again, I have hopes. I, I did like this. Uh, again, it, it pulled me in, and I, I did care. So I, I I'd like to see what he does next. Yeah, the mo- the most damning thing I can say about this film and is that in a couple of months, it, as is Netflix's way of burying films, it probably won't be spoken about as much as it probably could have been had mm. certain, as we went to certain storytelling devices or uh, options been pursued. And that's, that's a shame because it's, it's a really solid film, which I yeah. was a bit shaky on when it was <laughs> for the first 20 minutes, mainly because I just thought, okay, I, I, I've seen this before. I've, you know, what, what are you going to give me, which is different and, Fair, fair, fair dues. You know, I was, I was yeah. sucked into this true life story. And this is based on. So we've got a shout out as well. This is based on a novel by a guy called Greg Neri. It's called a uh, Ghetto Cowboy. So it's adapted mm. from that. Um, so there's and, a book out there to read about it as well. And worth noting, with all of the neorealist uh, movies that are coming up, there is always going to be a debate of of exploitation. Um, it's like, yes, you're shining a light on the situation. Now what? Is it just so that you can make a movie that people talk about and then you ride the wave and don't help them? Or do you give back to this community? Um, is this going to benefit this community? Uh, like you look at like Florida project and the, the hidden homeless. I have not done any research to see if, if Sean Baker or the film has helped people in that situation. If the people who are living at the magic castle was, was money given to them. Um, same thing with like the writer, which is not, nearly but they are showing like the the severe destitute that people might live in nomad land um granted those the people who are choosing to live the van life are supposed to be choosing to do that but that doesn't mean you can't still help them out you know make sure that they have safe places to go make sure that they have opportunities to be uh safe you know while they're traveling um that's always going to be at the forefront when you're using real people in a movie um are they getting a cut? Are they getting, you know, a profit share? Are they, are, the, are we shining a light on them just to better our own lives? Or are we shining a light on them to help them? And uh, it's a fine line. And it's one that, you know, I think this, anytime you're doing the neorealist or a documentary, I think this debate comes up and it's, it's worthy mm-hmm. of always talking about. I think you're right. And a film, th- films like this, especially ones like the riders and Florida project, they have a sincerity about them, which makes me want to believe that mm-hmm. something good will come of it because Same. those films don't feel exploitative or manipulative yeah. as if, you know, Sean Baker or Chloe Zhao were, were, were trying to use these communities or these instances as a stepping stone for their career. That those the films have no, no malice attached to them to whatsoever. This one doesn't either. And I would never, to be honest, I, probably, I wouldn't really label that anyone, but this film mm. doesn't feel like something which uh, a first time director has thought, do you know what? I could use this as a leg up. You know, I'll get these right. people in, shine a light on them, give them their five minutes of fame, but then I'm going to go and do the next big whatever film. I don't, I don't get that vibe at all, but you're right in terms of what could come afterwards. You know, it, I, I now know about this. You, you, the awareness, you, you've had your awareness raised. But what about the people who can make a difference 
is anything going to change in terms of like because it all comes down to gentrification is anything going to change to help these people out time time will tell and you'd hope that the power of film and the weight that has been thrown behind it will be able to better the opportunities going forward but again without really looking into it we're never going to find out i imagine indeed and that's that's the hope well that is our review of concrete cowboy again that's available to watch right now on netflix and we're going to move into our next segment which is chopped headlines these are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention this week though we didn't really have to look hard because there were two major award ceremonies this week um matt why don't you talk about the first yeah i'll blast through these it was the bafta awards the british academy of film and television arts uh over this past weekend were given out so it's Every country sort of has one. It's their own version of the Oscars. And the BAFTAs have a level of prestige to them. Um, you, you know, usually see it on the front of a, div- a Blu-ray. If, you, if I didn't win the Oscar, I don't know, how, how many BAFTAs did they win? Or Golden Globes, we put that on there. Um, and the categories were pretty much the same as the Oscars or the Globes for the most part in terms of the nominees, uh, except there is one category the BAFTAs have, which I absolutely believe the Oscars should have. I've said this for a while um, and it's casting. I mentioned it on the sessions recently as well. Like, If you get the casting wrong, the film clangs. If you get it right, the casting directors and the casting team never seem to get a pat on the back. So um, they, there is a casting award. There always has been. Oscars, I know you're listening. Get it. Uh, but, the, but the big winners of the night are the BAFTAs. I won't go through all of them, but in terms of film, Nomadland won Best Film. Chloe Zhao won Best Director and Frances McDormand won Best Leading Actress. So Nomadland swept those big those big awards. Uh, in terms of uh, Outstanding British Film, Promising Young Woman won that and that category is defined by is there a, a prominent British uh, contingent working in the crew on screen, the director, screenwriter, have they been active within the British film industry for 10 years or more? Uh, so Promising Young promising young Woman um, qualified for that. Obviously, Emerald Fennell was director as well, helped that. Uh, and that took away the win. Uh, going into screen, Promising Young Woman won a rich Best Original Screenplay, the Father Adapted Screenplay. Anthony Hopkins won Best Leading Actor which for the father, which I've seen him win a few on the awards circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some people saying it's good to see a Welshman win at the British awards, but uh, Riz Ahmed was also up there as well. Uh, best supporting actress, uh, Yuzhan Yun for Minari, Daniel Kalua, best supporting actor and um, another round one best f- uh, film, not in the English language. Soul beat out Wolf Walkers for animated film. Yeah, I know. And the uh, Trent Reznor et al. won for best original score there. And um, Nomadland won cinematography. As as for the casting, I mentioned that. Um, Lucy Pardee won for a film called Rocks, which I haven't even, haven't even heard of. But yep, um, she won for that. But the biggest takeaway from that blurb of um, voice I've just given you there is Nomadland going, uh, riding into the Oscars now. Nomadland swept the big awards, but Promising Young Woman is hanging in there. It's winning the writing awards, which has done a few times, actually. It's won quite a lot of the screenplay awards. But the biggies, John, are going to Nomadland. I still think that's where they're going to go when it comes to the big night. But, I mean, you've just heard that. 
the, the clean sweep and more. Any surprises at all there or disappointments? Uh, no, nothing. I mean, um, I, I didn't feel like there was any major surprises. I guess Hopkins winning is not a surprise, but it is, um, you know, I think that was one that people were kind of debating because there's so many really strong performances. Yeah. Um, I, I know like for, for the Oscars, I think there's a big push. People are hoping Stephen Young can win. Yep. Um, and I don't know that he will. And that's, that's a little disappointing because it would be really cool. Uh, we're going to have a pretty diverse selection of winners this year, I think. And it would be cool if he, if he got to win. Um, but Hopkins is outstanding in the father. So I, I don't have an issue with it, nor do I think I, if you read my review, I proclaim him as go ahead and give the, the, the guy his name to make sure he gets the spelling right because he's going to win because it is such a performance. And, um, What's interesting about leading actors were was that um, Adal Shkarab from The White Tiger was uh, nominated as well, which isn't a film I've seen pretty much at all on any list other than screenplay here and there. But um, just thought I'd throw that in. And Sahar Rahim as well. We didn't get nominated at the Oscars but for the Mauritanian, but he is here. Well, um, and uh, was there anything else you wanted to add about the BAFTAs? Uh, nope, other than... Nothing other than uh, Yu Jun Yun winning for Minari and Best Supporting Actress. I don't think that's a bad choice. But again, it, the, that uh, that category is up in the air. It could go to one of a few people, including Maria Bakalova. So uh, no, no surprises, and certainly not surprised to see Nomadland sweeping. So the other big awards uh, of the week were the DGAs. That's the Directors Guild of America Awards. Um, and these two are usually a pretty good indication of what the Oscar picks are going to be. I think, I, I believe that's what they say. I have never done the stats myself, so I don't know if that holds up if you scrutinize it, but that is kind of the, the, the way of feeling the temperature going into the Oscars. Um, so, uh, I'll read through the categories and the winners. Outstanding achievement in theatrical film went to Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Mm -hmm. Um, they have an outstanding director, a directorial achievement for a first time feature filmmaker. And that went oh, to Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal, which good. is awesome. Because, um, you know, Sound of Metal is not going to win the Oscars. It got some nominations. It, I think it is. Got to win Best Sound. It's going to, yeah, probably get Best Sound. Um, we have Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Dramatic Series. That's the, we, that's Homeland, but, you know, we don't do series here. Sorry. Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Comedy Series. Same thing. Come on, John. Achievement. How dare you? I mean, you know, it's it's the organization of this article is not good. But we do talk opinion. TV later. Um, outstanding Directorial Achievement. Right. Sorry. They have so many Outstanding Directorial Achievements <laughs> because it's the Directors Guild. Um, reality Programs. Wow. Okay. Ooh. Children's Programs. The commercials. Uh, here we go. Achievement in Documentary went to the Truffle Hunters. I haven't seen that one. Um, well, that's they don't have a whole lot. But yeah, so Nomadland uh, winning for that is, I guess, kind of the key, right? Like that's, yeah. are we going to see Chloe Zhao uh, become the first, uh, the second woman ever, She's ever mad. to win an Oscar for best directing and then the first woman of color to win uh, for best directing? I think it's likely. I think it is very, very likely that we're, that's what we're going to see. And that is awesome. So, yep, it, it's... Uh, it, it would be a monumental surprise to me now with anything other than Nomadland at least takes best picture and best director. You know, usually those two go hand in hand. Usually Francis McDormand 
probably will win Best Actress, but that uh, that is a stacked category for Best Actress. There are one of, well, obviously one of five, but <laughs> any one of those I could see taking taking it. Andre Day is getting a lot of big push late on as well. So for uh, the Billie Holiday film, Billie Holiday versus United States, other way around. Um, yeah, I, I can't see any way past Nomadland. If that doesn't win, I don't know what will win. I'd love to see Promising Young Woman. We've said that week on, week out because it was such a damn good film. Mm-hmm. But if Nomad, it, even when Nomadland wins, and if Chloe Zhao wins, I'll be over the moon. And if Nomadland wins, I certainly won't be disappointed because it's it's, it's a very good film. For sure. I, I didn't love it nearly as much as I love Sound of Metal or Promising Young Woman. Yep. Um, but I, I can totally it. see why. Uh, I would prefer, I would like Zhao to win for director and then give Promising Young Woman the best, best uh, feature film or... Or Sound of Metal, but I don't think everyone feels as strongly about that movie as I do. But it's getting it's getting a lot of dude. Now that it's available internationally now, not just the major territories, a lot of people are dig really digging it, man. And the fact that they're in there, the fact that uh, it's the Sound of Metal's up for um, so many awards, plus Riz Ahmed and Paul Racy for acting, people are taking it seriously. Uh, so whether it wins, of course, it's it, obviously it's cliche to say it's got a chance, but. They're in there for the big awards. It's fighting and for best picture, so it's fighting in there. Indeed, I I, I hope so. So th- we'll we'll be talking about the Oscars uh, once that airs. I, it's at the end of April, I think, right? Yep, twenty seventh um, or something like that. Yep. We will definitely. That will be the headlines for that week uh, when we get there. But that's the headlines for this week. DGA, BAFTAs. No real big surprises, but some cool first time things, uh, first time achievements. It was the first woman of color to be to win uh, the DGA, and it was the first time they've had two women nominations in the DGA. Um, so a big well deserved, yeah. I mean, long time coming, of course. Of but, yeah, long time coming. But that aside, very well deserved as well. Yes. So um, that said, now we're moving into media consumption. This is uh, movies or TV, video games, music, other podcasts uh, that Matt and I use to pass the time in between our our recording sessions. Uh, what else have we been doing since then? So, Matt, what have you been consuming? Um, I was going to say not a lot, but it's more there than I thought. But but still, not an awful lot because it's been a um, it's a busy weekend. But I've also just been consuming a little bit more. So, uh, in terms of films, I watched The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser Mummy. And the Mummy Returns. We covered that on NPM last week. I had a lot of fun with rewatching the Mummy, and Brendan Fraser was so so much fun in that film. And that film as well. I remember thinking, yeah, you know, I'm sure lots of people think this is rubbish and take the Mickey out of it. Then I rewatched. I was like, oh no, I was thinking about you know the second and certainly the third one. But the Mummy's really good. I really had a lot of fun with the Mummy. Again, it's it's has it's got a it, it takes its time to build up a really decent atmosphere. Plus, it's so self-aware and it's a lovely throwback to the old old school um, adventure swashbuckling films. Obviously, Errol Flynn and Douglas Fairbank get thrown around a lot, but it does feel like that. It's and they even say it in the film. One of the lines is, "What what's the mission? We've got to uh, we've got to save the damsel in distress, uh, take down the bad guy, and save the world." And the other guy's like, "I'm in." So it's that kind of film, but I, I, I like it. What did you think of the Brendan Fraser mummy? Oh, I'm a big fan of, yeah. uh, I like the first one and the second one. Um, there's definitely more problems in the second one, but I'm such a fan of the characters from the first film that I just enjoy the second movie. Um, 
uh, it definitely definitely has some questionable uh, visual effects in that movie. But <laughs> the second one, especially, um, yeah, the, that's what, yeah. The first one, I just think is outstanding. I love the first movie. I can rewatch that pretty much any time. I've seen it many times. It was a regular rewatch for me uh, after it came out. Like I saw it in theaters, and then yep, I bought same. it. And, um, I, I've bought it again when I was uh, managing Fye. That's um, I, I bought the set. Uh, I have never been able to make it through the um, Tomb of the Dr- The third one's awful. Dragon yeah, Emperor. Yeah, I couldn't make it through it. Like, I was like, nope. It's horrible. Checking out. Um, I wanted to love it because I love... I actually... I'm a big Brandon Fraser fan. Mm-hmm. Um, or Frazier. I've heard his name pronounced so many Fraser. Ways. Like, I obviously, I've talked about Encino Man. And, uh, that's where I was first introduced to him. Um, to the Jungle. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever sat through George of the Jungle, but... Uh, I, I love him in the mummy though. I think the mummy is a great movie that is often overlooked. Um, it's also, I mean, if you're going to like compare the modern monster adaptations of the universal, like old monster movies, it's the best one. I think, um, I I don't think any of the other universal attempts at, uh, recouping with the exception of the invisible man from last year. I mean, those two films are chalk and cheese, but the 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 what you're saying is correct in terms of the monster the monster verse or the dark universe whatever they want to call it the classic monsters mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah I I like the mummy it's uh it's a lot of fun the mummy returns I wasn't so keen on I never was in the first place it's got some fun moments in it but mm-hmm. it felt less atmosphere more action and then in the third I didn't I didn't we, we didn't bother with the third one because why would you it's not very good um I also watched Under the Skin as well. The uh, Jonathan Glazer, Scarlett Johansson film. Woo! I, I damn what a. Well, actually, I'm going to ask you. I, I spoke about it with my uh, uh, journalist buddy Joseph Kime. He's a legend. It comes out the same day as this one, I think. Actually, um, I asked him the question at the end, and I want to ask you this. It's all over the front covers of the Blu-ray and all of the marketing, and people say it. Under the skin is a masterpiece. They say. What do you think about that? Is it a masterpiece? Yeah, I think so. Um, Some of the visual styles of that movie, I mean, have been now stolen. I think other movies have uh, replicated Mm -hmm. some of the uh, the visuals. And man, there's some scenes in that that are just outstanding. It is so thought provoking. Um, And God, anyone who doubt, like, I think when that movie came out, people were still kind of questioning whether Scarlett Johansson was a, a good actress or not man does she her range is insane to me like i think she is severely underrated uh because she is so thought of as this like pretty actress and she is a pretty actress but she is that's so unfair to like pigeonhole her into that because she is so uh her range is insanely good and this movie i think is a showcase of that um it's haunting the score is outstanding like i mean what is there in this movie not to love Except it's going to make you feel probably pretty messed up. It's it's going to mess with your head. But man, is it interesting! Oh, yeah, so spoilers for the retrospective episode. There was nothing I didn't like, other than the fact that I know most people, a lot of people, won't like the film because if you haven't seen it, I won't say anything. But when you watch the film, I I I, I just know that people won't certain people just it won't drive for them which is totally fine it isn't for everyone and that was my only negative thing is that i wish everybody would like this film because it is unreal and yep i also said the same of scarlett johansson's i do about someone like gosling scarlett johansson people still people still look at her and think yeah, question her ability she was nominated for in two oscar acting categories last year the year before in the oscars uh jojo and 
uh, marriage story. So uh, I think, I think like someone like Goslin, she needs to have that Oscar on her mantelpiece for people to finally sit up and go, Oh yeah, she was good all along. We just were looking at the wrong thing uh, because she's a great actress. Um, so yeah, the mummy, mummy returns and under the skin, the different films there. And in terms of uh, television, I watched Falcon. Uh, I mentioned that in a minute. Invincible, the fifth episode of Invincible on Amazon Prime, and I'm really enjoying that. I'm so grateful I got into that. Uh, if you haven't seen it, guys, do go check it out. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and on a similar kind of vein, I watched the second season of The Boys. Finally finished it now. I binged through it and. Again, I had such a good fun with that. I really did. I was worried it was going to start. I don't want, I know this, this term probably doesn't work for a show like the boys, but I was worried it's going to jump the shark at one point when it almost <laughs> jumped a whale. But I, in fact, I ended up loving that, but it didn't, it, it all felt so good. They managed to bring a lot of depth to certain characters, um, which I didn't think they would do, but it was so necessary that they did. And because they did, the show gets better and better. I now cannot wait for season three. The only, my only disappointment is I've got to watch it week on week. Whereas I've had the uh, joy of being able to binge it uh, for the last few weeks. In terms of podcasts, I've been listening to the nightmare and film street. Again, the horror movie podcast, Uh, listening to a star Wars show called the night sisters podcast, a nice positive Star Wars podcast run by a couple of American girls who also talk a bit about the Marvel stuff on Disney Plus. Good little, there's only about eight, eight episodes so far, but hell, I enjoy it. About an hour each. I enjoyed it. It's nice, easy listening. And uh, as I mentioned just now, almost Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode four. I've watched that now. Uh, this is only six episodes, this entire run. And we're now on to uh, episode four and things have started to heat up somewhat um in this i i like it i i I think this is the i think you were the same actually i think this is the best episode so far other than the first one which i really liked um because now we feel like we're going somewhere the story is evolving things are happening conflict is being made are we setting up for one of the best twists in the mcu i really hope so but i can't spoil it because we don't do that on this show but uh what did you think about the uh episode four of the falcon and soldier winter it's definitely a a very good episode i've i've liked most of the episodes i'm impressed at how much i like baron zemo um i I really always good he is a great actor but i didn't think i actually like the character which is weird because he is technically a villain but like he's not i definitely my experience with that villain is very small I, i think he was on one or two of the uh like the Marvel Avengers animated series they had before they started the MCU. I was watching on, I think it was Disney channel or something. Mm-hmm. And Zemo was on at least one arc on that show. And that was like really my only encounter. Cause I never really read Captain America books. Um, I didn't read any Avengers books. I, I was always more Spider-Man and X-Men. Like those were the, the Marvel books that I was into. And then I read DC. I just read like almost everything DC. And so I don't have like a lot of connection with him, but I didn't like him as a villain. Like, I, I mean, he was a villain and I was fine with him. I just, I wasn't like, yeah, like what a cool villain. It's just like, yeah, cool. A villain. Put like a bond villain at times. Yeah. Here it's like, wow, man, he's a really complex guy. And I have a lot of, you know, thoughts about him. He, he is way more intriguing as a, as a character. Um, are debatably one of the best villains they've written. Not so much on the movies though. Like in the movie, he was fine, yeah. but he was definitely like, in the background here, he's really getting to shine and, and be this character. And I, I, I'm liking that a lot. 
Um, although to be fair, I guess he's not really a villain villain here. There's more uh, complexity he, this time around. Yeah. Um, this, this episode has gotten a lot of controversy, but again, we don't spoil, uh, I, I have noticed the internet community gives you maybe three hours to watch the show before they spoil everything. You're being um, generous there, my friend. You're very generous. Yeah, it, it is like same day. If you don't watch it first thing in the morning, you better stay off social media or you will find out what happens in the episode. Um, and Which I don't agree uh, with. And hey, people, putting spoiler warning above the spoiler is not a spoiler warning. Like it can't be on the same slide. Like have a, if you're posting on Instagram, especially having a picture that is the spoiler warning, and then you have to scroll to the right or swipe to the right to see the spoiler because having it directly above the spoiler, good chance someone's already read the spoiler before they read the warning. Oh, like it's, yeah, you get douchebags all over Twitter doing it, which they did it for the Mando as well. They'll put Mandalorian spoilers and then underneath it, they'll put the spoiler or, or four pictures. And it's easy to say, Ooh, just scroll past it. No, I'm on social media because I want to see what's happening socially. I don't want to have to stay off because I'm idiot. Can't just be, be uh, courteous enough just to shut up for a few minutes. And then, and then they're the same people where if it comes out in the UK or somewhere else early, oh, don't spoil it or else I'll be really, really upset because it comes out later in your territory. Thankfully, yeah. I'm a nice guy. But sometimes I think, do you know what? I really want to DM you the damn spoilers because I know I'd seen the images uh, of the uh, episode before I'd seen it. And it's not, and it's not, it's not where you should have stayed offline. I shouldn't have to stay offline. It's, I pay for my yeah. damn connection. I'm going online. Whether you people want it or not, ooh, ooh, then, then and you're leaving yourself open for it. Well, it's, maybe so. Or maybe a, people could just not be idiots. A matter of courtesy. Give, give people a few days to watch it. Off my um, high I, horse now. I will say, unfortunately, I did kind of forget that there was a new episode on Friday, which I never did with WandaVision. <laughs> Like I, it was like late on Friday night. I was like, "Oh yeah, there was a new episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier." So Not that you, like. that is, and I've enjoyed the show. Like that's, I haven't had a criticism. Like I've been pretty, you know, I, for the most part with Marvel, I've been pretty forgiving more often than not. And uh, this is no exception. Where I don't think this is perfect, but I've enjoyed what they're doing, and I think there, there's, I think they're doing more with this particular. Uh, set of characters than they could have. I think they could have made this much more superficial. Um, oh, I thought it would be, yeah. And and it feels like they're 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 throwing some stuff out there. I don't know if they're going to really, you know, depending on how they stick the landing, will depend on if it was actually was it artifice or was it le- legitimate criticism being levied. Um, but I, I've been uh, catching a lot of really cool thoughts from TikTokers. Um, uh, I'm going to mess up. I don't actually know how to pronounce her name. I think it's Jay Stubes and then uh, straw hat are the two TikTok. That's what they go by on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, they have started a podcast uh, that I've not yet listened to because it's only on Spotify and Apple podcast so far, but um, it's called uh, oh, geek of the week, I think is what they're calling it. Okay. Um, but I really like their takes on Marvel and comics in general. Uh, the podcast is, I think pop culture in general, but it's mostly going to be centered around, it seems like superhero based stuff. Um, and, uh, they've gotten some very aggressive criticisms from some people who don't agree with their take on this episode. That doesn't sound like the internet. Yeah. And that's been disappointing. Um, because there's some pretty blatant stuff here that it's like, how are you on a character side who did the thing that they did when it's very clear 
it's not okay, like it, at all. And so seeing uh, a lot of, I've seen a lot of content creators who maybe aren't as popular come to their uh, their defense, and I've I've enjoyed seeing that. Um, you know, people standing up against the uh, the the people who are being so again, it's okay to disagree, maybe. And I'm even I'm very passively saying that because I think what they're disagreeing with is is alarming, but to disagree to the point where you start threatening people or, or whatever that's especially about a fictional oh, property. Is I've ridiculous. seen death threats towards one of the uh, main characters in this because it isn't the person that they're used to seeing in that role. And I, you and I, we love fandom. We are in, we are in this for the long haul. We've either got tattoos or we've got houses or man rooms full of this cool stuff but I'm not going to go at someone for a fictional character for a fictional universe and say, I don't like you because you're not the person I want you to be. I therefore, I hope you die. Come on. How, how, what level did you stop learning or getting any intellect at what age five? If that, if that really gets under your skin that much where somebody else in a different, in a suit winds you up so much that you have to physically, or you have to threaten them, sorry, over, over the internet because you get so wound up about it. It worries me that some people are just that stupid, man, that they'd get do that. But I love the passion. It's the same as what Henry Cavill said when he got flack. I love the passion of the fans, but there comes a line. You know what I mean? There comes a boundary. And that's, I'm on my high horse tonight, but I, because, only because of that. If you don't like it, great. Just say, look, I didn't like it. I thought this wasn't very good. Move on. Don't have to harass everyone. Indeed. Yeah, there's no reason to put anyone else down. Um, so I obviously watched that as well, but I uh, I finished Search Party. I've watched season three and four. Nice. Um, there is supposed to be a season five uh, signed up for with HBO Max, so we, we will get another season. Um, I very much like this show. Uh, it it's I kind of went in expecting it to be more zany and funny, and there's definitely comedy. Don't get me wrong, but um, it it was darker than I anticipated, um, and that's not a complaint it's just an observation um i i do enjoy the show i think their performances are really great uh it is one of those shows where i don't think you're supposed to really like any of the characters and yet there's something about them that you kind of do but also still like no no it's not okay um but definitely worth checking out if you have hbo max uh search party season one through four um originally the first three seasons on tbs and season four was made for hbo max um, Aaliyah Shawkat, though, just I, I've always really enjoyed her. She was maybe on Arrested Development. Uh, she's in Drew Barrymore's directorial debut, Whip It, with uh, now Elliot Page, but at the time Ellen Page. Um, and uh, she's just like, she's a best friend character in that movie, but I think she's great. In it. And she's in a bunch of stuff. She's in Green Room um, as the, the guitar player. You know, I, I like her in general, but I think this is like the best of her, um, her using her talents and really making her. Um, just this really interesting character with just mm-hmm. so much to work through. Um, as per usual, I've been listening to the Blank Check podcast. Uh, they did the Heartbreak Kid, the 1973 uh, Lane May directed film. Um, man, what a movie. Uh, looking forward to... Um, I gotta watch Mike, Mikey and Nikki is the next film on the list. I haven't watched yet, but uh, looking forward to that episode. Um, uh, I have watched a few movies though for the movie club podcast where we're doing uh, drawing conclusions month, which is animated films. Uh, Corey picked fantastic planet, um, yep. which is a French film on the criterion collection. It's available to watch on HBO max right now. Uh, man, what a movie It is so interesting. It is 
what a sci-fi world that they've crafted. Uh, I actually thought when I was starting it, I didn't think it was going to have a plot, but then it, it totally does have a plot and there's a story and the characters are, are interesting and fleshed out. The world is especially fleshed out and just so cool. Um, have you seen fantastic planet? I have not, but I would like to see. I know about it. Uh, it's not very long, is it? And I would like to watch it. It's not. Um, it is uh, definitely a movie that I think benefits. Um, I don't know this because I don't do any kind of drugs, but it, it definitely seems like it would benefit from some drugs because it's definitely of that era, especially at 73. So it's, you know, right in the time when people were doing. Have a full caffeine coke then. Uh, yeah, uh, it definitely has that vibe. The, the art style is so unique. There is a lot of nudity. It's mostly not sexual. It's just like people are naked, um, which is always a little jarring with animated stuff. That's not something American animation traditionally had. Uh, and even, I mean, American cinema in general, if a movie is, has a lot of nudity, it's R rated or whatever. This was jarring in that regard. Cause I was not expecting it. Um, but it's, it's again, mostly non-sexual. It's just the way that they are dressed. But um, it, it, that part was like, Oh, all right. Um, uh, I mentioned uh, Chloe Zhao and Sean Baker earlier, and I, I found out that Mubi, M-U-B-I, who is not a sponsor of our show, but if they ever want to, um, Please they had both uh, their first film. Well, it's not Baker's first film, but it's his first big film, uh, Starlet, and Chloe Zhao's first film, Songs My Brothers Taught Me. Um, and I had not seen either, uh, so I made a concerted effort. Unfortunately, I think I should not have watched songs. My brother taught me when I watched it, I was kind of not in the mood to watch a movie. I kind of felt like I wanted to do something Mm -hmm. and not passively watch it. But I was like, well, my timetable, if I don't watch it now, I won't have a chance. So I, I kind of forced myself to watch it. And I definitely didn't click as much as I think I would have if I was in the mood to watch a movie. Um, especially like a serious movie. It was, it's a very like, heavy drama uh similar it's you know non-actors um definitely neorealism it, and it's a compelling film still despite my my kind of apathy towards it again i don't think it was the movie's fault i think that was in my head i think that was on me um however i went to starlet last night kind of feeling a, a bit the same but i was also more in the mood for a movie but okay so here's the thing starlet won me over so hard. I, I loved the movie. But. But. There is a. Really hardcore sex scene. In the movie that I was not expecting. Um, and why I would hesitate to recommend it to anybody. Because I mean it is. It, it's kind of a. It would be a spoiler to go into details as to why. It does make sense. But I was not expecting such a graphic sex scene in a movie. Um, you going to show uh, it to in, your class? No, for sure not. <laughs> um, I actually, I, I logged this on my letterbox as I always do. And I got nervous about having logged it on my letterbox because I'm like, uh, I don't want anyone to like, oh, I'll watch that. Um, <laughs> but I, man, I already like Sean Baker. Uh, I actually, yeah. I think I like Starlet more than Tangerine. Ooh, but okay only because uh starlet is it like tangerine kind of i think suffers a little only because of the iphone thing because i'm so aware of the fact that it's being shot on iphones um not because of the movie just i think my own knowledge of it going into the movie like that's why i heard about tangerine was because it was this movie that shot itself on an iphone 5s that i'm like watching it like 
analyzing it for that. And Starlet, I knew nothing about at all. Um, I, and then I realized I actually had seen uh, the lead actress in several films and I didn't know what the, the plot synopsis is really bad. Like it, it's, it's accurate, but it's just, it feels clunky the way it's written out, but it does not feel that way when you watch it. I was so taken by the relationship, the characters develop in the movie and, and the characters themselves. And also Baker, uh, I mentioned the very hardcore sex scene, but Baker um, does a really good job of not, not ever casting judgment on any of the characters. And I thought that was really uh, progressive and in a, in a huge way. Also, I was, I, I, there's a lot of humor in the movie and I found myself constantly like engaging with the, the comedy, really enjoying it. Just, it's just great. Um, it actually, it looks really good too. Like it's a super low budget indie film, but it looks good. Like it's an LA movie. Um, his other two films that he did before it, are not readily available. Like you got, it's like 25 bucks for one DVD, 50 bucks for the other DVD. And, uh, I'm probably never going to get to see those unless they get picked up by movie or something like that. Um, my understanding though, Starlet is also on Tubi TV, which is free, but you have to watch commercials. Um, uh, I don't know if they cut out anything as a result. Um, but there is, again, there's a, it's not super long and they actually shoot a lot of the, um, the scene, there's something in the foreground that isn't sexual. That is the, the kind of the attention. So the, the explicit, very explicit stuff is a little blurred out, but you still know what's going on. Like there's no like, Oh, what? Maybe it's something else. It's like, no, no, you know, hundred <laughs> percent what you're seeing. Um, but yeah, uh, but that's what I've been watching. Um, I was, uh, search party took up a lot of my time. I have tried to play a few games this week. Uh, I did get a gaming computer and I've been trying to like, engage with that a little bit i haven't really um it's it's funny because like i just don't feel super drawn to any games right now and i i keep looking for one to like grab me i had a few last year that did that and i haven't found one uh pretty much for several months that has really just like sucked me in and made me want to play it so uh if, if i'm always up for suggestions out there uh I don't like anything too challenging. Like I'm not a dark souls kind of a player. I, I, I like to have fun. I like a good story or I like a good multiplayer experience. Ghostbusters. Play the Ghostbusters game. I do have that and I should actually beat it one day, but have not do yet. It. There you go. Well, That's my recommendation. There you go. I will have to, to look into that. Um, but before we go, before we wrap up, every week we show up on this podcast and we have to bring a level of awesomeness, not just awesomeness, but bloody awesomeness to the show where it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. And we can't do that for the listener. We can't do that to each other. We have to really get ready. And so every week we, we have to check in and find out how we're staying bloody awesome. So Matt, I ask you, sir, how is it that you're staying so bloody awesome this week? You ask and I shall tell, and I've said it during the episode actually, and it's simply series since the origin, the genesis, the birth of the BAMP, I've said the words, I don't really watch TV at all. I haven't watched any series um, because I'm frightened of commitment. <laughs> I'm scared of having to sit down and watch more than one thing, which is longer than two hours. Um, but I've been really into it now. I'm sucked in. Like I mentioned in previous episode, I watched, uh, I binged through devs. I've now, uh, and obviously the Mandalorian, of course, one division, now on to Invincible and the boys and Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier at the same time. Um, 
and now this week I'm starting Stranger Things, and I know I'm late to the party, but you know, better late than never. I'm embracing the idea of series now, and I've always said that I know the difference, the gap between cinema and television is damn well non-existent now, apart from your big tentpole films. Most TV seems to have a lot more acclaim to it than a lot of films that come out that we're getting a lot more. The, the, there's no taboo anymore about crossing over, about being a film star and a TV star or a, a movie star directing TV episodes and whatnot. That's gone now. And it's for the best, I think, as well. So I'm going to start Stranger Things and... I can't remember. There was another one I was going to start. Maybe Ozark or something, but I've been given a few to watch now. So I'm 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 here for recommendations for TV series. I, I generally like ones with a bit of a, a bit of mystery to it or thriller or something to keep me in. Like The Boys was just magnetic. Devs was hard sci-fi, which I enjoy. Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision. There there are elements in both of those that I enjoyed, especially WandaVision. That kept me coming back. The Mando, it's Mando, isn't it? Baby Yoda. Um, And I'm hoping Stranger Things, from everything I've seen, is me in a nutshell. I love the the tone, the vibe, the aesthetic, the horror, the that what people call the ambling feel. Everything about it is literally what I would have in a microcosm in a man room. So, um can't wait to start that so series my friend is how i've been staying bloody awesome by opening up my uh media consumption mind but what about you my friend well i have uh i went bulk buying um we we got a membership to one of the big box club stores that was a the big box clubs membership was like really discounted and i couldn't resist so we went uh on saturday and bought a bunch of stuff in bulk like i got 15 rolls of paper towels for $16. Yes. And we're talking like jumbo rolls. We got the good toilet paper in a big bulk thing. Um, you know, the one with the bears. And uh, Yeah, that one, sorry. Other brands yeah. are available. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, like I got a case of energy drinks for like a, basically a dollar a can. Where if you were to go to like a gas station, they're like three bucks a can. Um, case of Gatorade. Sorry, I, that's the first one I name dropped, but I couldn't Drunk. resist. Um, Gatorade Zero. Uh, you know, uh, basically stuff that you can store for a while and get a Cat good food. price. We, uh, actually, we got a big bag, a big box of dog food. Um, our cats were okay with food, so we didn't buy that yet. But next time, for sure. Um, the one downside, dude. The one downside. This particular big box uh bulk store, they have a food court type thing, right? God, yep. And Here we go. My wife went to get herself a frozen yogurt, and they like put like fruit on it or whatever. It was like a dollar, right? And, and she comes to the car with her frozen yogurt and two pretzels, two hot pretzels. And I couldn't resist, dude. I ate a pretzel and oh, God man. God damn it. Out of the window, it's gone now, the regime. A dollar. It was a dollar for this <laughs> giant pretzel. It was a big ass like pretzel. 400 calories, but man, it was so good. I don't regret it at all. Um, but I did get a lot of I, my protein bars. I am a I'm a big fan of a particular brand of protein bars that has very low carb count, and um, mm-hmm. but they're still like they hit that sweet tooth. Um, they had a 21 pack for like like I, I forget how much it was, but it was it was very very cheap. It, it averaged out to about um, probably a dollar a bar, a little less. And uh, one of the one of the flavors it was a variety pack. One of the flavors was salted caramel, and I had not tried the salted caramel protein bar. But oh man, 
I have a new favorite protein bar. It is <laughs> un- like I like the peanut butter one. Like that's my go to is like oh, peanut yeah. butter chocolate. That's like my always go to. Oh, but yeah. uh, the salted caramel, dude, it's it tastes more like a candy bar. It's it's I'm just like I feel like I'm I'm not supposed to be eating this, but it's like 20 grams of protein and like three carbs. It, it is exactly what you want, man. Right. It's just it's and uh, hits that sweet tooth. I'm almost out of that one already. Um, and I'm a little concerned because like I'm like, well, I'm going to want more of that one. I mean, I have the, the peanut butter one that I like and they have a double chocolate, which is fine. I like chocolate enough where I don't mind a double chocolate thing, but. Definitely, I'm uh, gonna have to look for just getting the salt, salted caramel. But yeah, the bulk buys it was it was fun to go. Uh, we spent too much money, but at the same time, we won't have to buy any of that stuff for at least a month. Exactly, um, exactly so, it, man. I was a member member of a very well known bulk buy um, uh, company up until last year because I forgot to renew. I would like to redo it again. And the, the few times I went there, you get the bill and you think oh my how much have i how have i overspent but then i realized well, actually i haven't got to go shopping for about another two months because i've got everything i need in terms of the essentials anyway other than little bits it, it, they're great if you can get hold of a look at us like, touting out the the bulk pies <laughs> if you can get hold of a membership do it because they, have, they always have great bakery second as well so if you like a pastry oh. or a cake or a donut which you know i do god damn these places got <laughs> these they got these and they're not little they're big yeah yeah they're always it's it's like the pretzel was way more pretzel than i needed but at the same time it was so fresh like it had just come out of the oven kind of thing and it was it was it was outstanding um good job good job well that is it for this episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast we will be back next week reviewing coded bias which is another netflix film but it's a documentary we've done a couple of documentaries uh this year because again there's not always anything being released, so we're working with what we can. Um, I think Coded Bias came out on Netflix this month, yeah. but I think, again, it had a festival run uh, for like a year or more. Um, so it's not a new film in the sense that it's been around, but it's new for everybody to be able to see it. Um, so that's what we'll be talking about next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. On Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And Matt, where are we on Twitter? We are at BAMP underscore podcast, which is B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And if you are uh, still under the influence of the Zuckerberg and you're running that Facebook app, go ahead and search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and follow us on there as well. Um, individually, you can follow me at Burke Reviews and BurkeReviews.com and uh, Burke Reviews on all the social medias, including Letterboxd, where I, I'm going to start trying to do some micro reviews on there. I, I'm... I'm not writing much anymore, but I'm going to, I'm going to make an effort. I have some ideas that I'd like to try to, to push out there, but uh, Matt, where can they find you? Uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk. What I watch tonight across the major socials, mainly Twitter and Instagram and letterboxd. And like John, I also, am going to potentially put out some micro reviews and continue to toe the line. I've been saying for the last two months, but I, I will eventually. And, uh, if you like what we're doing here at BAMP, we ask that you take a minute on whatever podcast provider you use to give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the podcast, and that's what we're looking for. Um, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood,